It is the 200 level, episode 234. Mike Carpenter, sorry, 324. I'm getting my numbers mixed up here. Mike Carpenter in the basement studio, getting off to a rocky start, a little bit like the Elan I did last night. Hopefully, I'm able to recover. And there's not the equivalent of a guy like Pickett going against me. It's just me today as I try to kind of wrap my head around what the Solani basketball team is or is not. And I think that if we are going to be honest with ourselves, this is what it is. That's what I titled this podcast. It's kind of a just shrug. And, and I don't want it to be mistaken for anything more than just mild disappointment. There was a really good tweet, and I need to try to make sure I can uh, get this person. I think Orange Mamba, who's been following me for a while, had made a really good point on Twitter that perhaps my disappointment in this team has a lot to do with the fact that I was so high on them to begin with, which might be my own fault because not everybody was as high on this team. I think we were all excited to see the new pieces, and early on, I mean, the returns were pretty positive, to say the least. You had two top five wins in the first six weeks of the season. But ever since that Texas game, we've been chasing that big moment, that, that same sort of elation that we felt then or after beating UCLA, or even if I'm being honest, the Virginia game, which while that was a loss, it was another pr- uh, game that proved that you belonged, or so I thought. That's how I interpreted it at the time. So we sit here midway through February, right at the halfway point, basically. And if we're trying to figure out exactly what this team is or is not, We're going to have a hell of a time doing that. And I think Trevor said it best. And I'm paraphrasing a tweet that he had last night. We don't know what team's going to show up on March 17th. That's the first day of the NCAA tournament. And nothing in the next two to three weeks is going to convince Trevor, or myself for that matter, that this team is going to be that much more ready for whatever that matchup is, or that they're going to have this switch that they automatically flip. In other words, this thing is what it is. So what is it? That sounds like a riddle, but I'm not trying to make it one. They're pretty good, right? I mean, they're they're at least good. They're a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. They have enough quality wins to do that. This is, keep in mind, a fairly weak bubble yet again in NCAA basketball. And Illinois' resume is still pretty solid compared to others. So don't think for a second that all of a sudden they're a bubble team because of what happened last night against Penn State. And before I get too far into this, I want to start, I think, this podcast by really focusing on the fact that this is the difference between now and 10 years ago. Go back to the Gross era. We're in what? 2023, John Gross era. 2013 would have been the one tournament they made. So let's say seven, eight years ago, when you're really in the doldrums of the Gross era, and every single game in February felt like you got to win this if you want to make the tournament. And I don't know about you, but if you recall that time, it was exhausting. And by the time we let Zook, Zook, geez, Freudian slip, by the time we let John Gross go... We all had seen the writing on the wall and we were ready to move on because it just was kind of an exhausting and sometimes thoroughly depressing existence. Were they terrible? No. Were they good? No. I think we could say with some objectively, you know, some some objective proof behind it at least that this team is in fact good, but they are not great. So I think we can discount anything that I thought early on this season, that this team had the ability or potential to be consistently great, because I certainly was in that camp, especially after the UCLA win 
and then what happened against Virginia, and then against Texas. They seem like they belong. They seem, in my mind, to be a top 10 caliber team. Whoops. Now, if I am to stand by that statement in any way, shape, or form, it's it's that they could be, and occasionally we see these 10 to 12-minute increments where they look like it. And it could very well happen that given the matchup in March, when it matters the most, this team just gets the better of the opponent. And really, all we need them to do that is twice in one weekend. And if they do that, mission accomplished. Whatever came before or whatever this team did before, just make the second weekend of the tournament. The monkey is off of our back. And that that right there would be three major accomplishments with Brad Underwood in the resurrection, let's call it, of the Illini basketball program. Big Ten tournament title, Big Ten regular season title, and then getting to the second weekend of the tournament. Of course, we want more. And I don't think we should really settle for less when we have really good teams. We can't have another Loyola thing without starting to think, "Uh uh-oh, is the Underwood thing as good as we would like it to be? But I'll tell you what the Underwood thing is. It's good. It's really good. For the most part, the stats would bear that out. We are the winningest team in the Big Ten by some margin in the last four seasons, since 2019-2020. And... That's nothing to sneeze at. You should have two regular season banners, but you didn't get that one awarded during the COVID year, whatever. Uh, You still got two tangible banners to hang, and that is more than could be said in the last 15 years of Illini basketball, last 20 years almost. So that is worth recognizing. And the fact that this year is the off year and you are in the tournament, not sweating it, but you're in the tournament, and I don't think they're going to fall so far that they would be sweating it. That's growth. I mean, that's considerable growth. You could be Kentucky right now and be looking on the outside in. You could be Ohio State right now with Chris Holtman and fans wondering, is this guy even it? Which, if you would have asked me a year or two ago, yeah, Chris Holtman's a really good coach. But this year, they have fallen completely apart. This thing had moments that felt like, oh, God, is it going to fall apart? Excuse me. But it hasn't yet. And that is a credit to Brad Underwood. Now, a negative potentially would be the fact that these lows that you've had have been really low. And I've addressed that before, that why does it need to be this much of a roller coaster, even with the new faces, even with all this uncertainty surrounding the team? Did the lows have to be this low while the highs were that high? And I think it's also justified to look at this season and say, well, what was the last moment of elation? What was the last moment where you felt like, wow, this thing is has the ability to be special? And I don't know if you would count the game against Michigan State in early January as one of those, but not really. That was a home game against Michigan State. That's what you do. If you're a good team, you beat Michigan State at home. Great teams, uh, they would have more moments in the last six weeks especially to make you think that this thing could be special. I think we can probably close the box on this being a special season. But there is something attainable still. And while it requires some luck and it requires the good version of this team, the one that actually can keep the opponent's best player under 30 points, they're still capable of winning those two games in March. And that, to me, if that's the goal for the rest of the way, we'll go with it. But then I guess the question is, how can we enjoy the ride up until that point? 
And that's what I'm struggling with myself. So before I get too far ahead of myself, let me hit up the sponsors real quick. Got to thank DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Uh, we also have... Um, oh, wait, before I get ahead of myself, you're a DP Doe. Uh, they or deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. You can get a custom zone online at dpdoe.com, and they will deliver it piping hot to your doorstep. You select all the toppings and all that good stuff. And whether it's a business lunch or just ordering, hey, maybe a celebratory calzone after we beat in Indiana, you think that's going to happen? It might. It might. But even if it doesn't, you can... Soak those tears away with a delicious calzone from dpdoe.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Brian will not be here Saturday because he's got some other obligations, but we'll get him on the podcast a few more times this year. He's been a lot of fun to have for these second half podcasts, but he's also a great insurance agent, and you've seen it here as well, a great dude. So uh, if you're looking for someone you can trust with important things like insurance, that's Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. They got a great winter sale going on right now. And while it is a mild winter, listen to this deal. <clears throat> when you buy a Lennox Home Comfort System, you get a choice. Decide between a free water heater or a $500 Visa gift card. No qualifications necessary. 0% financing available. Give Dogtown a call today at 217 217- 841-4728 to schedule a free in-home consultation so you can take advantage of this great sale. That's Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, your home's best friend. That's a pretty sick deal right there. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them and appreciate you, the viewers and the listeners. Trying to get back in the swing of midweek and second half podcast, alternating between those to give you a heads up for next week, a busy week for Illini basketball. I will not do okay, let me let me start here. Saturday, second half, Indiana, I'll be here. That'll be about noon. Next Monday, Minnesota, meh. Let's just watch it on TV and talk about it Tuesday. So we'll do a midweek next Tuesday. And then Thursday night, next Thursday night, that is, a really big home game against Northwestern. And I do not say that facetiously. They're playing good. I would say they're playing as consistent if not more so than you are and they have an identity so that is a game that Illinois has to win and I'm going to get to the Indiana game here in a second and the possible importance of that but one thing that we've hit on a lot when Brian's been here and I've been really reflecting on this is what is the identity of this team and I still don't know and I don't think we will know and I was trying to think in a historical context of Illinois basketball of seasons that were fine but ultimately were forgettable, especially when compared to the season's book ending it, right? Now, in fairness to this team, they are coming on the heels of the three most successful years that this program had since D. Darren and Luther were here. And obviously those guys achieved greater heights by making the national title game. But there is also something to be said for the Io and Kofi era that got you back to relevancy, hung two banners, and, I mean, last year beating Iowa at home for the Big Ten title was enough to make me think that the NCAA tournament was kind of an afterthought. As weird as that sounds, and we all wanted to make the Sweet 16 or beyond, but I really had no delusions about what might happen against Houston, and that went even worse than I expected. But it's not as if that game ended and I was like, her. you know, it wasn't like the Loyola game, to be certain. We had done something tangible, 
And that team, I think, had reached their ceiling last year. I think that was the best coaching job that Underwood's had so far of his six seasons here so far. So you're looking at this team in comparison to three years before it where you had the amazing rise from January 2020 up until COVID. Two months that will be up there for me as an Illini basketball fan because think about this. At that point, it had been seven years since your last prolonged taste of success. I will give Gross's first year, at least the non-conference in November, December 2012, that moniker of really fun couple-month stretch there. But between then and what Brad Underwood's third team did from January to March 2020, not a whole lot to hang your hat on. So that ride right there, coupled with the number one seed the following year and the Big Ten tournament title and the, still, to my mind, the most fun week stretch of regular season basketball where without Io, they smoked Michigan. Well, let me let me go back. They beat Wisconsin on the road. They smoked Michigan, and then Io comes back and you beat Ohio State that final Sunday of the year. That season was memorable. Of course, it ended all too unmemorably. At least I wish I could strike it from my memory, the Loyola game. But as awful as that is, there were still more positive things, especially when you consider we were all stuck at home looking for anything to entertain us, anything to bring us joy. And that team did for a good stretch of that year. And then last year, where I think they maximized what they had. Kudos to those players, tough as nails guys like Trent Frazier and DeMonte, Kofi, who had to deal with a lot from opposing defenses and refs not giving him the benefit of the doubt. That was a team that, as frustrating as the losses were, it was less about them and more about, oh, I just so badly want to win a Big Ten title, and they did. So then you get to this year, and I entered it saying, it's all gravy. You know, they can do whatever they want. No big deal. Um, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. But to be honest, it's been really hard to find a hook into this team. And if there's a recurring mantra or narrative that I kind of go back to, it's not one of anger. I mean, I've had moments of fleeting anger. The Iowa game felt like a complete missed opportunity. I still think it kind of is, and it's indicative of what this team is. Why I'm a little bit leery of them making any sort of run in the tournament. Yeah, their track record against good teams in the last two months, not good. And they had an opportunity there for a quad one win, and they just kind of pissed it away. Well, maybe not. But they kind of did when Tony Perkins scores 30-plus points. So that notwithstanding, that was, I think, really a summation of what this team is. Angry in certain moments because you want so badly to care like you did the three years before. But if you're really being honest with yourself, and I was after that Iowa game, I went about my day the rest of that afternoon, got over pretty quick, met up with some friends, moved on. Whereas last year when we lost at Maryland on a Friday night, I woke up the next day like, God, you know, like the, the cursing that Joe Pesci does under his breath in Home Alone. That, that was my inner monologue the Saturday morning after losing at Maryland because it felt like that team had blown a Big Ten title opportunity. I haven't really had any of those moments this year. I mean, if I think about the angriest I've been, it's probably Missouri because that was just outright embarrassing against a rival. And the Northwestern game, I just turned it off. I, we'd gotten back from Tampa. I'm not watching it. And I'm not even really going to talk about the Penn State game that much because I didn't watch it. I didn't. Had better things to do. My wife and I enjoyed Valentine's Day, and then I was going to turn in, uh, tune in for the last 10 minutes of the game. But no, there was no point. 
There's no point. A couple surly people on Twitter have an issue with that, but did you learn anything last night? There were some good, there were some bad. It is what it is. The name of this podcast, it is what it is. And what's just kind of bizarre about this season is not being able to find that emotional connection. Trying, trying my best. Having moments like that early when the swagger was there and things felt like, oh boy, we got something cooking here. Before Matthew Meyer even got going, this is the Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon Jr. show, all these freshman studs. And then Sky Clark leaves. And then there's the RJ thing with, hey, RJ made a three yesterday in garbage time. Will that get him going? I somehow doubt it, but hopefully it does. And just enough sideshow things to not be angry with this team, but be annoyed. I can be annoyed with this team more than I am angry. I'm annoyed with the fact that the veterans, all too often in my mind, just don't show any sort of mental fortitude that you would like to see from the older guys on your team. We do not see that consistently from them. When you want someone to gut it out and go get you a play, I'll give Coleman credit. He plays his ass off. But whatever intangible factors these veterans need to be leaders, they don't have it. Whatever the it factor is, we would probably agree it ain't there. Certainly not to the extent of Io, but not even to a Trent Frazier. So that leaves you wanting. Freshmen don't annoy me as much because they're freshmen. The sideshow of the Sky Clark saga, oh, I have a personal deal. No, you don't. You got benched and you left. And I wish we could just call things out for what it are, what they are, excuse me. But when you got some finely crafted PR statements from the Sky Clark family and then Brad Underwood, they're just trying to save face. We know it. The kid's going to go try to play somewhere else and probably shuffle between three or four colleges and just be a journeyman. Okay, we, we can be honest about that. And I know that's speculative, but come on. We, the writing was on the wall. He got benched. He left. And all the stories circulating around that, I got to think one of them is true. And it's not necessarily a slight on him as a person, but just let's call it what it is. He got benched. And in this day and age, sometimes these guys that get benched, they pout, they whine, and they decide, I'm going to leave. Fine. Bye. But annoying nonetheless. RJ Melendez. Suspended for team rules. Annoying. Because he can't hit the broadside of a barn, and he's just lost on the court. And then he does something to get suspended. Because He violated team rules. What? He smoked marijuana? Is that even a violation anymore? It's legal in the state of Illinois. I hope it's not. Frankly, these kids go through enough where they should be able to smoke a little bit if they're of age. <sighs> but I digress. Wouldn't you agree this team can be annoying? And... The -the off-the-court things aside, if I were to put those away, which those are annoying in their own right, there's also just the -the on-the-court inconsistency, which you can swallow a little bit of that and say, fine, okay, that's what you're going to get with all these new pieces and guys trying to figure each other out. But on the other hand, it's February 15th. Could we figure it out? The weird thing about last night is, by all accounts, it's not like we played bad. And I saw a lot of people talking in that way. And if I were to go back and actually watch the game, which I have very little interest in doing because I don't know what I would glean from it, it sounds like we've played worse. But they just went on a heater and Pickett scores 41 points. But then the other side of me wants to really simplify this and say, well, don't let him. And this might be more of a coaching thing. We saw the stubbornness from this coaching staff. And I'm going to pin this on Underwood when they did not double up Trace Jackson Davis. Force Andrew Funk to beat you. Double up Pickett. 
I don't care if that means someone else is open. Eventually, when the guy gets his 30th point with plenty of time left, do something. And they rotated, what, Ty Rogers got some time on him. Coleman had some time on him. There were plenty of shots he made with a hand in his face. And on certain nights, you just give credit where it's due. And that might be the case for last night. But 41 points in a collegiate game? Ridiculous. Second game, he's roasted us in a row, and we apparently learned nothing. I don't know what the scout was on this game, but uh, make some adjustments. Don't let Penn State put up 90 on you. You score as much as Illinois did last night, you should win. And it said they lost by double digits. So we can talk about they didn't completely suck last night, but they still lost by double digits on the road against Penn State. When Penn State lost to Maryland on Saturday, my thought was, crap, they're going to be desperate. And apparently they were. And we weren't desperate. And not that we had to be, not that this loss is going to do anything that detrimental. But what it does is remind you that this team is just, meh, they're, they're fine, they're good, okay, But special, no. Very good, probably not. Great, certainly not. And probably just hovering there in the six-seed line, best-case scenario, which brings me to the Indiana game. I feel like this season is in desperate need of a marquee win because we haven't had one since December. Michigan State at home, not a marquee win. Michigan coming up, as much as we hate them, it would feel good, but it's not a marquee win. They stink, and I love it. Lost again last night to Wisconsin, despite Wisconsin not making a field goal in the last 10 minutes of the game. And Hunter Dickinson, the doofus that he is, walks into Kohl Center with a ski mask on with the symbolic meaning that we're going to steal this game at the Kohl Center. You get it? He's got a ski mask on. He's stealing. He's robbing. What a doofus. I'm glad they're failing. I hope they fail miserably. But all that said, beating Michigan not a marquee win because Jawan Howard's pretty bad at his job. He's basically John Gross. John Gross, if he would have inherited the John Beeline thing, probably would have had one really kick-ass year or two, in fairness. Okay, that leaves Indiana because you aren't going to beat Purdue on the road. It ain't going to happen. Purdue lost at Northwestern. I get it, but this is Mackey Arena. That's a whole different beast. Purdue is not losing that game. They're probably going to wait to do all the Big Ten celebrations until that day. They will be ready to go. They will beat Illinois that day. That's okay. I can live with that. We'll do a second half podcast, I guess, depending how the game goes. I wouldn't be surprised if we compete for a little bit. They will beat us. I can almost say that with certainty. Worth tuning in, but let's be honest. But Indiana, though, despite what Trace Jackson Davis did, and he might very well do something similar, I think that you got a chance on Saturday. A blowout would surprise me. And the analytics on my Ken Palm would suggest that this is going to be a four-point win for Indiana, four or five-point win, and, and that sounds about right. But you should be in striking distance. And it feels to me like in a season where you are running out of opportunities for marquee wins, this is it. You've not done well against your rivals. Now, I hate Wisconsin, so going 2-0 against them, that's bonus points. But Missouri, not good. Iowa, missed that opportunity. Indiana at home, ugh, not good at all. So this leads to Saturday at their assembly hall. And we'll see. I'm just saying that when I wake up Saturday, I'm I, I'm not going to think uh, we, we don't have this. Because I think Indiana actually, they have a game tonight, if I recall. So they get one less day of rest. And 
the Penn State game yesterday is one of those that if you wanted to, you could just brush it from your memory. I would imagine that's what this team does. I think sometimes to their detriment, they just forget things, but it might be beneficial in this case to do so. They got to get a marquee win. I mean, short of making the Sweet 16, I I don't know what else they can do between now and mid-March to add memorable moments to the season. I I think of fear, and maybe not a fear, but just sort of a (sighs) sigh, is that you get to the end of a season and you don't have a lot to hold on to from that season. Now, what the freshmen do going forward, what Jaden Epps and Ty Rogers and Sincere Harris turned into, specifically Epps and Rogers, because as much as I love Sincere, he's a role player. He's energy, and that's great, but until he can actually figure out how to make a shot consistently, I think that he is going to not be the guy that's left behind, but he's just the the defensive presence off the bench, even next year. But you can really reach places with Epps and Rodgers. And Epps might have struggled last night. Rodgers certainly did not. And I love that kid. And it's really been since the Wisconsin game on the road that he, the last game where he was a non-factor. The last four games, in some way, shape, or form, on the stat sheet and the little things, he's been doing it on the boards and scoring and defensively. So Ty Rodgers is really coming into his own. Epps and Rodgers and Danger. I can work with that core. I think you're going to win a lot of games at that core going forward. So maybe that's the legacy of this season where, you know, let's say they finish, what, 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten, 11-9, not terrible. You make the tournament, seven seed, let's say. You win one game, you lose the second. And ho-hum. That's Lou Henson's last five years in a nutshell. That's Lon Kruger's two out of three or four years that he had. Just like that. And we look back on Lon Kruger and say he was a pretty damn good coach because he was. But I think what compounds this situation is just personality-wise not really having a lot of guys that you can fall back on and say, okay, well, I really like this guy. Or uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., he's going to come in here and in one year really make a legacy. He's not. At this rate, doesn't look like it. And Matthew Meyer, okay, he, he's going to go on and play in the pros, and they'll say he played at Illinois, but are you really going to be following Matthew Meyer's pro career like I? Of course not. And there's nothing wrong with that, but in terms of fandom, part of the allure of college sports is that you get to know these guys, and I'm comfortable with the name, image, likeness thing for the most part, but I am becoming uh, gradually accepting the fact that the cost of that is less familiarity with the players that you follow. To me, that's a small price to pay for fairness, for all the money that these guys are making, Um, but nonetheless, it's still something that you got to get used to. Jacob says here in the chat, it'd be nice if Indiana wins tonight so they aren't mad on Saturday. And Jacob, could you help me out who they play tonight? Because I saw that in the schedule. I think it's a very winnable game for them. But I would agree. I would prefer to get them after a win. Getting Penn State after loss, after four losses in a row, not good. They had to get a win. They got it. I don't think their NCAA hopes are alive, but they could go on a heater. They have the talent to do so. But yeah, that's what this team is right now. I mean, let's look at the schedule. Here's what they got. Let me go back to Illinois here. I'm at Ken Palm. I was doing a little bit of digging. Somehow I went down a rabbit hole and came across Ty Ty Washington at Northwestern. Uh, this, this, that's going to be an interesting game, Jacob. I think Indiana gets it done because Northwestern coming off a really emotional win like that. But I don't know. Nothing would shock me. 
So here's what Ken Palm projects for Illinois. Right now, Illinois is straight up 25th in the nation on Ken Palm. That sounds about right. I know they aren't ranked. I don't care if they're ranked so much. Probably don't deserve to be. But they're 25th according to Ken Palm. And they seem right now just like that borderline top 25 team. They look it. They play like it. Ken Palm pro- projects a 20-11 and 11 record for Illinois at season's end, 11-9 in conference. Now, the losses they project at Indiana by three. 75 to 72. They actually project a loss at Ohio State, which I know they're going off analytics, but if that happens, that's a bad loss. Ohio State just sucks right now. And Purdue on the road. So the three road games, losses, the three home games, Minnesota, Northwestern, Michigan wins. Well, you do have to win your home games, and that gets you to 11 wins in the Big Ten, just doing that. And you got a gimme in Minnesota, and you're lucky that the positioning of that game on Monday, you might be a little sluggish after Indiana, but Minnesota sucks. You cannot, should not, no way, no how lose to them. Even if you're playing your bench that much more, you got to beat them. I think you will. You get a few days off for Northwestern after that, and then Ohio State the following Sunday, and then Michigan at home the following Thursday. So you do get a little bit of breathing room between those games. It's a lot, no doubt, in two and a half weeks, but I think you can manage it. So, it, they say 11-9. to 11-9, though, to me, would probably not be losing at Ohio State. It would be losing at home to, like, Northwestern. And I don't want that. I think that even with yesterday, this team finishes 12-8 and in the Big Ten, and that would be 21-10. and Big Ten tournament, I don't really care. I don't. I mean, they aren't going to go on a three-game win streak and win that thing. Even if they get the double bye, which I don't know if that's going to be in the cards if they're 12-8 and eight because of tiebreakers. Because unfortunately for Illinois, they're beating the teams they, they should, technically. But a lot of the teams in front of them, they aren't. Northwestern, at this rate, will be a top-four team in the Big Ten. And they have the tiebreaker at the moment. Indiana, if they beat you, well, of course. They're going to be top-four. I'd have to look at the standings to double-check who else would be up in that position, but it's just a mess. The Big Ten's a mess. The bottom half of it last night was amazing. Why? Because the Big Ten's not that great. So winning the Big Ten tournament, whatever. I, I, we've done it. Look at how look at how flip I'm being about it. We've done it. Who cares? All right, okay, we, we won it two years ago. I care about this team being healthy to somehow get two wins in the NCAA tournament. That's it. I don't need a Final Four. That'd be great. I need them to get two stupid wins in a row in the NCAA tournament against two presumably good teams. This team does not lose two games in a row very much, but they also don't beat two good teams in a row that often either. Because if you look at this stretch that Illinois had since losing to Northwestern, they beat Wisconsin at home. Wisconsin sucks. Nebraska on the road. Nebraska sucks. Even though they beat Rutgers yesterday. Go figure. Michigan State at home. They're pretty good. Still the best win since Texas. Minnesota on the road, they suck. Then you lost to Indiana at home by 15. Ohio State at home, they suck. Wisconsin on the road, they suck. Nebraska at home, they suck. Iowa on the road, you lost by two. Should have beat them. Quality win, missed opportunity right there by losing to Iowa. Rutgers at home, beat them by nine. And then Rutgers loses at home to Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> Rutgers is fine. You're better than them. You did what you should. Kind of like the Michigan State game, even though I think Michigan State is certainly better than Rutgers. By the way, you cannot beat these teams by double digits, and that matters in the net. Michigan State, you won by nine. Ohio State, you won by nine. 
Rutgers, you won by nine. Even in the wins, this team finds some way to just annoy you. with just, It's stupid, and frankly, it's not like this team was probably going to play themselves off the sixth line anyways. They seem incapable of doing that. But, by golly, just get that extra bucket or keep them from getting the garbage bucket. There was a reason Paul Mulcahy was fouling at the end of that Rutgers game. It was because they were aware that if they lost by single digits, it would hurt them less in the net. Right? Well... We won by nine. So chances are when we beat Northwestern at home next Thursday, we'll beat them by nine. Or when we beat Michigan at home, we'll beat them by nine. That's what this team does. I don't know why that drives me mad. So 12 and eight in the conference, you take that right, 21 and 10 overall. I think it's likely, or let me say, I think it's entirely realistic. I'd be surprised if he had a worse record than 11 and nine in conference, which is still good for the tournament. But, again, we're just kind of uh, in this weird holding pattern right now, waiting for them to do something that genuinely excites us. And them winning at Indiana wouldn't tell me anything new about this team. But it would give me a marquee moment. And as a fan, I think we're looking, we're starved for the next big thing from this team. The Rutgers win felt good, no doubt. But you know what? It was at home. Rutgers isn't good away from the rack. So that's not that impressive in and of itself. Michigan State at home, the comeback was impressive. But in and of itself, you beat Michigan State at home. On the road, it would feel like a marquee win. On the road against Indiana, that would be a marquee win. Especially with the way they're playing. And Trace Jackson Davis, right now, is an All-American. I never would have thunk it. I always thought there was a softness to him, for lack of a better term. But he's killing it. And I don't know how you defend him, but something just tells me that game's going to be close and you'll have a chance to win. And if you don't, it'll be like the Iowa game where you're just like, ah, dang, nabbit. Now, if we get blown out, I don't know. Again, does it tell us anything different about this team? I agree with Trevor's assessment that March 17th is going to come here for the first day of the tournament. And between now and then, we aren't going to know anything more about them. They just are what they are. And I guess that's what it is. It is what it is to repeat that refrain. I did tweet something last night, and it was amazing. You lose a game like that. And it's like, if you just say something, I thought I was entirely measured, and yet there were enough people that just got really pissed off. And it's like, guys, I'm not the one that went on the court and lost tonight. In fact, what I said, and I don't know why this was any way, shape, or form controversial. Let me see if I can get this queued up here. Uh, Okay. I wanted to be clear. I said, to be clear, I'm not even mad. When a team continually shows you what they are, believe them. Not bad, not great, sometimes quite good, but not always. Sure beats the gross era, but this is not shaping up to be a memorable year. I think that's fairly measured. And David Lindhagen says, and you show us every day you're a clown. Thanks. What the hell was so controversial about what I said, David? Chill out, you dope. Uh, let's see here. This is from... Elohim, Elohim, you have no idea. The cliche that the tourney is all about matchups is cliche for a reason. Get in the tourney and you never know what hap- what'll happen. That's true. But this team also hasn't shown the consistency to make me think they can win those two games in a row. But it is true. It is a crapshoot. And if they're good for two days, they can more than they can most definitely get two wins in the tournament. I just Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of want to fast forward to that because until then what's going to happen that's going to be all that exciting? Let's just get to March and see if they do it and if they don't. Okay, let's get the offseason. I'm excited for the offseason. 
in this new kind of free agency period. Andrew said, yep, have to hope matchups fall nicely for us to uh, come March for any success. Unlikely, he says. Mike Herrera says, well said, this has also been a big crash course here for the staff on the name, image, likeness, portal era roster construction. Hopefully they learn and grow from it. And Mike, I think that's a big point. I, I had tweeted something later last night as well that I'm confident they will learn from it. I think Underwood, in the macro sense, is malleable. In the micro sense, within a game, he can sometimes be stubborn and not make the changes when he probably need them to be made. But I do think that he's savvy enough to figure out how to navigate this and identify a little bit better what NIL guys will help you out. And as me and Brian have talked about on a couple of these podcasts, you would prefer those guys be supplemental and not be stars. I think that a couple of these freshmen are good enough to be the pieces you build around and not have to go out there and get an alpha or one you'd like to be an alpha. I don't think that Terrence Shannon or Matthew Meyer are alpha personalities. I think that's part of the reason you're you're just kind of uh, struggling. Rick says the future looks bright with the freshmen and sophomores, and it does. Yeah. Well, Luke Goody, if we're calling Danger a sophomore, though he's really only a freshman in terms of eligibility... Jonathan says, I still have hope for this team. We can make a run in the Big Ten tourney, and let's hope we can make it past the first weekend of the dance. And I agree with the second part. Don't really care about the Big Ten tournament. But, hey, if they were to if they were to win that and you told me it wouldn't have any negative impact on them making the second weekend of the tournament, fine. Go go win it at the United Center. It'd be fun. You know, I wouldn't say, ah, lose on Friday. Win as much as he can. And maybe that'll open up. But if you face Purdue, I, I just don't see it. And God, God forbid if you face Penn State. Oh, Oscar says, I still believe this team is the highest final four probability of any team since the last trip. Oscar, I would, I don't know. I, I mean, I think two years ago, I know Loyola happened and that was jarring. That Illinois team should have made the final four. They just should have. And that's, that will always be part of their legacy. Sadly, you beat Loyola, then you beat Oklahoma state and then you beat Oregon state. And I think they would have, that team was rolling and if they ex- expended too much energy in the Big Ten tournament, okay, fine. But one bad Sunday, and that Final Four dream is out. That team was pretty complete. They were very efficient by that point of the year. And uh, I, I don't believe that this team, even at their best, had a higher Final Four probability. I think it's just recognizing that there is the crapshoot nature of it. So I was more of a, why not? I thought the ceiling was higher than what we're seeing, but I still don't know if even in those moments I thought the Final Four probability was higher than two years ago. Oh, God, here's another. See, I know it's a a tricky tweet when I've muted them. (laughs) So some of them I'm kind of skipping through. But this one, no, this one's from Thor. I feel like they're exactly who we expect in the offseason, but everyone on the Illinois Twitter saw them beat UCLA and Texas and expected a natty. Well, I saw them beat both of those teams, Thor. I didn't expect a natty. I, I don't know if anyone did. You can't expect that. But I thought the ceiling was extremely high because of what they did in the non-conference. And then it just sort of stagnated. And I think what we what we saw, teams adjusted. They got tape on these new pieces. And kudos to them. They figured out how to minimize, especially Terrence Shannon Jr., who I think has been, on the whole, kind of a disappointment these last two months. Injury, concern, I, I don't know. I, it's just there's something lacking with his game uh, uh, an edge that he used to have the first month and a half of the season first month especially that he doesn't have now 
Ben says, I thought the team played well last night as a whole. I wish we could have made a defensive adjustment, but that's on the coaches. Can't give up 93 and let one guy get 41. The Indiana game was the same way. The coaches can't let one guy beat you single-handedly. Ben, that's just it. And in the NCAA tournament, why I'm not high on this team is that you will more than likely face a team that has a guy, the guy, who can go out there and get 30 for his team. Especially what what concerns me in a weird way is the first-round matchup. And I feel like if you get past that, what the hell? I think you'd be unencumbered. You'd play a three-seed or something and have a really good chance of winning. But there's something about being the six playing the 11, and some people will say the College of Charleston. That's an example that gets thrown out a lot. There's teams like that that always have a dude. And they might not be as good as Pickett on Penn State or as bad of a matchup, but it could happen. And I don't trust this coaching staff to say, we aren't going to let that guy beat us because I haven't seen it yet this year. Way too many dominating performances. I agree with this idea on the whole of giving up the two-pointer. They did it against Perkins. They, they allow players to get in the lane and shoot from like the free throw line. They are willing to acquiesce that shot. And on the whole, I don't mind that concept. But when they continue to make it time and time again, you've got to force the ball into someone else's hands. So, Ben, I agree that that's on the coaches. And I hope when push comes to shove in a game that is single elimination and you lose, you go home. If that starts happening, they better adjust. Because if not, that would be worthy of major criticism for Underwood. Lawrence says this tournament or bust and it's tournament success or bust. However, Shannon and Meyer aren't enough compared to other squads with all their COVID veterans. And that's the thing, too. Other teams have plenty of veterans here because of the COVID era. So that's a good point, Lawrence. Mike says, well said. And I think uh, it's what you can expect with the patchwork team of transfers. Too many turnovers and inconsistent shooting. Goody and Melendez, lack of production has really hurt this team, and he mentions the injury to Goody. We'll be lucky to win one, two games in the NCAA tournament. I tend to agree with that. J.C. Lowe says, maybe memorable for the wrong reasons. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is a blip, I think, overall. Now, if they come out next year and it's another disappointment, then you start worrying if there's a trend line here, but I'm not there yet. I.L. Lunatic says, which is fine. You can't realistically ask to win championships every single year. But now we've got a new core breaking in. As far as I'm concerned, that's going well, and I'm just along for the ride. And hey, that's a great attitude to take, IL Lunatic, because I'm trying to be along for the ride. I'm having a hard time hooking in. Maybe, like you, I just need to focus on that young core. And that's what I have focused on for the most part. But for better or worse, these veterans are still major parts of the team, and you only go as far as they take you. Blockhead just says, I want to get to the tournament, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's where we're at right now. This is from Jumzy. I like the name. Jumzy says, anyone else feel like this roster is built more for the tournament and less for the Big Ten? I feel like Shannon will get to the line more with better officiating and will continue to attack rather than settle for threes. Could be. I mean, there have been lesser teams to make deep runs in the tournament. And if that is something that we get the benefit of the doubt with officiating, sure. Shannon goes downhill, goes to the line. He's still good at that. He's still good at going to the line then maybe you get some of those breaks. And this is from Jason. Yeah, we'll have a 25-game sample now. My main takeaway is at least the Illini are back to being a likely tournament team, even in the meh years. No championships are going to be won this year, but it's not complete crap like the gross era. There have been some good moments. And Jason, I think that's what I want to end on. We sit here and we watch and we pull our hair out and we get frustrated or annoyed. I say I say annoyed more than frustrated with this team. But at the end of the day, the relevancy has returned. And this is a program that's still in a very healthy spot. And I think will remain so 
Because Underwood, what I like the most about him, I think seems to get it macro. Just how to build a program, roster construction. And while this was not his best job at it, and certainly in terms of getting these guys to coalesce, I think his weakest job so far, I think he'll adjust accordingly. And uh, so all these things I've said, I mean, this is what some of the reactions I got last night. Someone said, well, we'll replace you. Because I, what did I say? I, th- I said, I think we should replace the mantra or mantra, however you say it, of hashtag everyday guys. Because as much as I like Underwood and the Underwood era, everyday guys, they are not. There is this weird inconsistency that you get with them despite being the winningest team in the Big Ten the last four years. That's really good, but there's this weird what team is going to show up tonight. And identity seems to be kind of flippy floppy. And uh, hey, if you win games, who cares? But it just seems like an odd mantra for this era. And some guy said, well, we can replace you. It's like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? It's just, I, I, some fans are loonies. I'm loony in my own way. But some, some I think are just dumb. And that might be a mean thing to say, but you, you, you can't really get in a pissing match with these people because you, who are you talking to? Talking to some yokel that doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. So if, if I piss you off that much, it's funny. One guy today was going after me and he's like, well, I'm not going to listen to your podcast or I don't listen to your podcast. I said, well, then why the hell are you tweeting at me? I don't know who you are. Go do something. Be like, like I told them, I said, be like me tweeting at the creators of Young Sheldon. I think it looks pretty stupid. I'm not going to watch it. But I'm also not going to tweet at the creators of Young Sheldon and say, Psh, I'm not going to watch your show. Why do they care? So, <laughs> after losses, this happens. This happens. So, um, overall, I'm not down, okay? I think that this season's weird in its own way, but... Boy, it sure beats what we were, and I think in the long term, we'll look back on it as, eh, that was kind of weird, and hopefully more remember it for the fact that it introduced these freshmen, Epps, Danger, Rogers, Harris, that were the core that led Illinois to their next great run, and it very well could be. All right, everybody, before we get out of here, got to thank DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so get in custom zone with any toppings you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, online at dpdoe.com. Also, Dogtown Heating and Plumbing, check this out. Winter is in full swing. They got a sale. When you buy a Lennox Home Comfort System, you get a choice between a free water heater and a $500 gift card, Visa gift card. You get a choice between those two. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them. Appreciate you for tuning in and listening. Uh, we got the YouTube channel, which we now have 220 subscribers, so we're gradually building that up. And we'll be back on YouTube around noon on Saturday for hopefully, I would love if we got a marquee win left in us, let it be at Indiana, because that would be a big one. And why the heck not? After everything, I still think this team can get it done. I'm going to watch it with with a little bit of excitement and some annoyance and frustrations. But, hey, that's okay. And uh, we'll see you on Saturday for that. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy this unseasonably warm weather that seems to be continuing for a while. So see you Saturday for Illinois, Indiana. It is the 200 level.